welcome to an episode of the Nintendo Entertainment Podcast. I am Triforce Todd. Joining me today is Wario Will. Uh, I hope everyone's staying cool this past few days because it is a scorcher. It's like 95 degree weather. And, and uh, 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 oh, what, 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 what are you doing? Oh, mailman. In this middle of the night? Is the message says here, it's time. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> Oh, memories. It's time. It's time. <laughs> yeah. Once again, we'll spoiling one of our topics right off the bat. This is, I shouldn't be surprised 338 episodes in, but I am. Because I had no idea where he was going with that. And all of a sudden the Beatles start playing. I'm like, dear gosh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I am with you, Will. It is scorching hot. It was 97 today in Illinois. Yeesh. And uh, it is stuffy in my apartment. It was really stuffy last night. And it's just, yeah. Yeah, the, the weather's been crazy. The fact we're having a, uh, like a three-day heat wave, here, like 90-plus weather already is crazy. Yeah, or it, I have no doubt it's going to last longer, but whatever. Speaking of lasting, here is Skull Kid Scott. <laughs> it's so hot, even sometimes the computers at my work turn off. <laughs> so, really? That's bad. <laughs> yes, that's, it is. That's bad. <laughs> Like, don't you have like air conditioning on those things? We used to. Well, Ooh. we do, but uh, we have a person who operates it who's not us. <laughs> That's wow. bad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you would. I don't know. Like in a tech company, you got you kind of have to. I don't know. Have like a cooling room, or at least like keep those servers cool or something like that. But no, yeah. you don't have that kind of thing. Wow. Yeah, it, it sucks because yeah, computers aren't supposed to be very hot. In case no. you're wondering. Yeah, uh, legit, and I'll get to this tonight, which is what you've been playing, but a certain title always overheats my computer. <laughs> it hasn't shut it down yet like a certain time when I actually broke my computer, but I, I fear it because I'm like, that's really hot, and, and I occasionally hear like a popping sound. Oh, um, that's great. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, and I'm waiting for my computer to break, and it hasn't yet, so I'm going to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> right right until it breaks. Not a word, Will. <laughs> Not a word. <laughs> All right. Uh, also, if you're wondering, sadly, Falcon Faith is not with us because she's still asleep with the Pokemon. This, this app is cursed. Clearly. I mean, at this point, I'm surprised that she hasn't like turned into a Snorlax. I, I don't know. <laughs> so I, I will let her sleep be the good big brother that I am, but this has to stop soon. All right. Rip Van Regal slept for 20 years. I don't know how he did it. I don't want to know how he did it, but I don't want Faith to turn Rip Van Winkle. Also, breaking fourth wall, I'm pretty sure she doesn't know who Rip Van Winkle is. I mean, she doesn't know who Sakurai is, so like, if she doesn't know who Sakurai is, clearly she's not going to know about this <laughs> character. Totally the same. So, I will let her sleep, but please wake up soon. Get, get, get this woman an alarm clock, alright? Oh my gosh, maybe that, that ooh, I, I bet that was never even thought of as a feature for Pokemon Sleep. Like, why would <laughs> why would we wake you up after you're sleeping with the Pokemon? Like, that's counterintuitive. No, it's not. <laughs> we, need to, we need to wake up. Anyway, we're going to have a very interesting show with a very unique main event. But of course, we're going to all start off with what have you been playing? I'm going to go last because I have two... Technically three, but I'll focus on two games to talk about, and uh, it, th there's going to be discussion between all three of us on this, especially you, Scott, for one of them. Um, so why don't you go first, Scott? 
Alrighty, so I guess I have two main two, but uh, <clears throat> the first one, as I do want to clarify that Pokemon Sleep, which I have been doing every day, does Lame. have an alarm clock on its as a feature. It yeah, does? I was about to say we were talking about that. Topic. Yes, it, yeah, does. it does have an alarm clock. You should just said, to, dude, you were like letting me monologue for no reason. I don't need your help to monologue, Will. Tell me when I am telling lies, okay? <laughs> Like, seriously, I didn't know. I honestly don't have Pokemon Sleep. I have no desire to have Pokemon Sleep. So if there was an alarm clock feature, you should have told me outright. <laughs> nah, I like I would enjoy our dear host and making himself a fool. <laughs> I don't need your help to make me look like a fool. I, it's called living my daily life, all right? Anyway, Scott, continue. Uh, which is nice. I did notice, though, that uh, sometimes my phone will fall off my bed. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, and then it will turn off the app. <laughs> yeah, Faith, Faith had that problem too, and I'm just like, there you go, there you go. So I've been putting it closer and closer to the center because I usually just keep it at the top of the bed. Uh, uh, okay, okay. So now it's like more in the center, so, but now I just hope that I don't mess up my cord. But I don't think I will <laughs> because I have a pretty strong, sturdy cord. Because I got sick of some of the home, like, you, when you get, like, a phone cord, most of the, like, generic cords you get when you get a new phone are actually really bad. They're not that good. Yes, yes, <laughs> plastic -y, they, they they're, break, they I like the little, yeah. like, threaded ones that have, like, a bunch of just, like, threaded, like, plastic over the normal plastic so that it doesn't just instantly die on you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so far, the, the one that I have has been working really great, and so I don't think it's going to mess up. But I did get a, a lot more Pokemon now because of it. And I'm starting to get now two at a time, which is great. Because you have, like, a chance of getting, like, a, your basic biscuit to do um, double the amount that yes, it's yes, supposed yes. to do, basically. Because they get either really hungry or if they're, like, starving, they'll triple it. <laughs> right, right. Three times which, points, luckily, right. it tripled it for my Sudowoodo because I needed, like, nine to get it um, to stay with me. Right. And then one basic physics did it. There's all nine right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, like the biscuits, like as I said, it's a the regular poke biscuit, the great biscuit, and master biscuit. But basically, yeah, the biscuits are basically your poke as they, as is literally designed is your pokeballs. And like, if you want to like, yeah, capture those Pokemon, you had to like feed them biscuits to capture them, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was really fun. Now I got a pseudo wudo. I also noticed that uh, if you get two of the same Pokemon, they share their, like, I guess, uh, awareness rate or hunger rate. I don't know exactly what you call that. <laughs> when you feed them a biscuit, it increases their, like, fullness. <laughs> oh, 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 And if okay, their friendship okay. reaches full with you while you're feeding them, then they will actually stay with you. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah. some Pokemon, though, have very small appetites, so they'll get really full fast. But if you have two of them show up, then you can feed one until they're full, then the other one you can feed till their friendship is max, and then one of them will stay with you. <laughs> mm, okay, okay, okay. Mm -mm. Which yeah, is yeah. a nice realization, because I only had, like, two more left for one Pokemon, and then it got full, and I was like, crap, and then realized, oh, there's a second one. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 like, the only, the only thing I kind of, like, a little, because I've, 
this that's kind of the thing, and I'm not sure if Faith has been doing it, but basically the biscuits themselves. I think that's the one thing that kind of like how Pokemon apps trying to make money off it because you have to buy uh, Pokemon biscuits to actually catch these Pokemon. You could get one each and every single night, but <laughs> or do missions, but that that's pretty much one of their main avenues of revenue to making you buy Pokemon biscuits, which yeah, yeah got a little bit underhanded. But uh, I've just been doing the free currency, which only gets me like four or five Poke biscuits gets every day depending on how much i get in the morning yeah 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 and as well like of course leveling up your as a new snore like every single week is like okay that's <laughs> that's fine i guess yeah 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 i just uh, i just barely unlocked the new area mm. so that will be fun to tr test out next week because i can't go there until next week <laughs> yeah that's a strange thing like, you had to be you spent some more for one week and like okay until the next the, a new week you can go to the next another locale which uh, all right fine 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 and um yeah just also, as well like I, yeah like how is your reference in, in sleep patterns i mean personally for me i'm actually surprisingly i'm actually getting sleeping as well as a uh, surprisingly rare type i actually got a balanced type of all three so, oh yeah, I, I had one that was balanced, which was great. And then it like just differs all the amount you get out of it. Mm -mm -mm. But uh, <laughs> my sleep has not been the greatest. It hasn't actually helped all that much for me that wise. But I think that's more so because I have to still um, work with my wife on sleep patterns. And so we have to work on that together. And it's uh... harder to work on stuff together. When one of you comes home at like super late in the night. <laughs> ah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and it, it, when you even like even with the data that they also record again the movements, the sounds. They it actually again recording sounds and like I, there'll be times where I do remember I woke up in the middle of the night, had to use the bathroom or something, or like even hearing the like the the sounds of the highway nearby my house is like yeah like okay that's <laughs> interesting to hear i don't know if you're snoring or moving yeah <laughs> i mean like hopefully i'm not too offend of uh, uh, i will offend you but you, you have a snoring problems scott or no oh absolutely wow yes. okay 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 acceptance <laughs> is the first step acceptance <laughs> is the first step i definitely have issues with snoring hmm. i don't to my knowledge uh, my dad does, and that used mm. to keep me up. My uncle was horrible. He had had like the mask and everything, but uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. For anyone wondering, like, well, Todd, you're the poke, you're a poke, you're a big Pokemon fan. Why aren't you getting the app? Because I don't need the app to tell me how much I suck at sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just that's just the truth. <laughs> like, I don't need your, I don't need this app mocking me with Pokemon, saying, "Oh, Todd, you only got like three, four hours of sleep last night." Well, no kidding. <laughs> I noticed. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm freaking tired. Everyone makes fun of me when I say, "Oh, Tom, well, what's your uh, what's your uh, schedule when you wake up in the morning?" I'm like, well, I wake up at about eight a.m. Give or take. You know, your occasional wake up before that happens. I go eat breakfast and I go back to bed for an hour. Why'd you do that? Cause I'm tired. <laughs> anyway. But, uh, but but yeah, like the the sleep itself app is like again, you can either be. You don't have to go with the full recommended of eight hundred eight and a half hours, which it is deemed. If you can do that, you get basically a full 100, 100 score grade. Yeah. And also on average, I've only been up to like at most 88, so if I recall correctly. But again, this app is definitely meant for, again, a good, it's a nice reference. If you love Pokemon, if you want to try to get 
improve quantity it is a good reference app to give so again it's not meant to like uh, repl- again I, I think i mentioned last week not to re- meant to uh, replace like the like the bit watches your fit watches no that that to um to like observe your sleep so again it's a nice reference app but again not there are obviously better equipment for that like other machines yeah, yeah. so i guess other than uh pokemon sleep which I do have really bad sleep schedule. The other game that I've been playing a lot is a game called Dokapon Kingdom. Ah, man, I haven't heard that thing in a long time. <laughs> so Dokapon Kingdom was a game that I asked for review for a while, um, and I was hoping that if I didn't get it on Switch, I'd get it on PC. And so I was like, okay. So they just had this, the PC like announcement like a few weeks ago. So when, they, when I got an email from them, I was expecting there was going to be a PC code, but it's for the Switch code. So I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> but uh, so Dokapon Kingdom is like if you take Mario Party and you infuse it with like JRPG elements in a fantasy land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was originally came out on the Wii, if I recall correctly. Yeah, it was, so it was like a, one of those releases that came out on the PS2 and the Wii at the same time because right. they're both high install base consoles. <laughs> And so basically, your the goal is to take over the most towns by saving them from monsters and get the most money. And so I've been playing it with one of my friends as well. I've been trying to introduce it to my wife because I think it'd be a it's a fun one for just like casual gamers too because it's not too heavy. But also the problem is is just like Mario Party, you're going to be focusing it a lot more on uh, <laughs> screwing over your opponents. And so if when you screw over your friends or, you know, your wife on the game, they're not usually very happy with you. And that's one of the things that I guess that's like, that's how party games are, though, is you basically, to win, you have to screw over the other people in order to win. Um, One of my things that I think is actually really fun in the game is that there are random battles throughout the map when you land on just a random like free space it gives you an op it gives you like a random chance of having a free battle encounter or just like a random event where you can meet like an npc or meet the devil who screws you over or you can meet someone else that's just like there and wants to do like a random rock paper scissors scissors battle with you so one of the things that I always loved is fighting and getting myself super overleveled so I don't have to worry about when the monsters mm. get stronger <laughs> and stronger and stronger. So in other runs, I was like almost level 40 by the time any uh, we actually reached like the level 30 monster area and all right. the CPUs and my friend were like in the 20s still. <laughs> Which always makes me feel like I have a power fantasy. It's actually even more hilarious because I'd go to... I started getting so like overpower that i just randomly just choose fights with the cpu players (laughs) i just go over there and just beat them down and kill them so that they would have two less turns to do anything (laughs) which is actually really fun because when you beat them down you can either steal their money you can steal one of their towns that they own or you can just straight up mess with their character model like you can steal their hair break their outfits you can also change their in-game name. <laughs> yes, like I, I see, like uh, people's play through, like yeah, I did, like re- mark their faces, even give them Pooh's hairstyle. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like it's it's very fun, like just like really mess, like okay, what if we get or just do the worst worst kind of possible prank on them? Yeah. So that's always fun. <laughs> I want to note, and I, I'm sure some of our viewers caught it. Um, 
when Scott was talking about you know screwing over your wife in the game, he paused. Probably because he wanted me or Will to respond to that. <laughs> except we do not have the ability <laughs> to respond <laughs> to such a statement. As we are both single. And there's a car alarm going off somewhere. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I appreciate you wanting our input, Scott, but no. <laughs> just, just no. All right, Will, how about you? What have you been playing? So alongside with uh, po the Pokemon Sleep, the, the most major game we got from last week was indeed, of course, Pikmin 4. And yeah, I, during this past weekend, I have reached it to the point of the first basic ending in which you do rescue Olimar. I won't go out uh, a little bit after that. But yeah, this whole week of playing Pikmin 4, and yes, I have been going full completionist with no Pikmin deaths. Yes, I'm going for no Pikmin death run. And yeah, this game, it's it really does scratches that itch if you have played Pikmin in the past. Like again, as you said, the concept of Don Dory, like separating a task efficiently as possible. And I've seen people like doing some crazy, like efficient Don Dory. And yeah, like just going through like the devs, especially again, even some levels that are direct reference direct one-to-one -one copies to Pikmin 2 is like, yeah, perfect fan service uh, if you're if you play Pikmin. And yeah, from like you utilizing Pikmin, finding these like the like the bosses, quote unquote bosses in these devs is always a very fun challenge. But also in a sense, it is is not hard enough to like it's like uh like dark souls level of difficulty like you can limit yourself if you don't like use like the, the special uh spicy juice which basically doubles your um basically a stem pack for your pigment and, and your and ochi to like double uh, efficiency so you can easily there'll be times like i've upgraded my my entire squad to flower pigment and just like given the the, the the stem pack and like they can easily take down a boss in one run and it's so be so there be like if you are efficient you can actually take big bosses really easily if down so it's not actually quite too hard a game it's just again the the management of it all like managing one task and managing another it is it definitely really scratches that itch especially if you want to go full completion rescue everybody and do the dandori challenges which there is that again uh, check complete um gerard completionist uh pigment videos if you want to know more information but there are like platinums uh for different challenges so if you want to go full on completionist then yeah this will definitely scratch that itch not too hard but there is enough challenge enough in, in certain challenges but overall like when i reach that first basic ending it is quite in my opinion very satisfying again just like hearing that ding 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 is like yeah, I don't know. It, it it really scratches that monkey brain of that completionist thing, but but after that basic ending, again, I only see it a little bit. But yeah, the plot twist after that, as well as the more maps, is yeah, it's quite. There's a lot more to do even after the quote unquote main campaign. So you 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 definitely have your money's worth out of that so pigment four by all means definitely a great entry you will definitely get your money's worth so by all means if you want to try pigment four again play the demo and if you want to get the go game by all means so definitely do that and uh, of course i obviously um continue on with uh, fire Emblem heroes which they have announced said uh yeah Freyr finally is coming to 
to uh, Fire Emblem <laughs> Heroes, which will be coming up uh, today at the time of the recording. So uh, a very good de- uh, unit. So definitely a tier one unit. So in case you want to pull him, uh, by all means. But of course, next, uh, last I check on the calendar, next mid-August is going to be the Choose Your Legends banner, hopefully, because we're approaching the half-year anniversary. So finally we get to see... Man, who are the units again? I know Soren as well as, uh, yeah, Gulveg. Oh, man, I forgot who the other, other two. But yeah, if you want to get, if you want to, by all means, save your orbs. So. The fact that you don't know says says so much. <laughs> I mean, I remember Soren. And, and Soren there, and I mean, Soren was the only one I could remember aside from like Gulveg. But yeah, I, and gee, why was she picked again? I don't recall. <laughs> I'm sure there was a reason, maybe two. I don't know. Ah, uh, there are plenty of reasons, but I digress. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you totally digress right now. <laughs> because, like, uh, like, uh, uh, because I didn't want to put it in the Discord chat because I know because Faith is also record uh reviewing the game as well. But I think you saw this week's past honest trailer, right, dear Todd? <laughs> um, hold on, let me remember. Uh, the honest trailer, like the the game trailer. Yep, uh, honest game trailer for um uh wonderful life. Oh, oh, oh God! Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, 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 I did watch it. Uh, yeah, and I know what you're talking about. We're not bringing that up here. <laughs> so, all right, my turn. So for me, I have been playing technically three things outside of Fire Emblem Heroes, of course. I have officially beaten Mass Effect Legendary Edition. All, all, all of all the DLC, all the special quests. If I missed something, it was really well hidden. Mm-hmm. And I, I've conquered Mass Effect 3 for, I think, only the second or third time of my life. And all told, all three games combined, again, maxing out side quests I found and everything else, I came in under nine, at about 97 hours. So even less than Persona. I was, <laughs> yeah, that was the joke. That's the joke. I, it's, it's still under a Persona 5 royal playthrough. Um, but yeah, so the big thing here I want to talk about is Mass Effect 3 ending, because when I played it originally, I think I played it twice, but I don't remember now, um, because, yeah, I did it twice because I did Male Shep and Femme Shep, just, just for kicks. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's been so long, and I couldn't remember certain things, and I didn't remember certain things, and other things, I'm like, okay, I know this is going to happen eventually. The closer I got to the ending, the more I was dreading it. Because, <laughs> and I noted this at the time, and I noticed this before I did my legendary playthrough. Mass Effect trilogy is literally like 95% epicness. And then you hit the end game. And that 5% end game is like terrible. Yeah. And sure enough, after everything, after playing it pretty much consecutively, and enjoying Mass Effect 3 for what it was, I hit that ending, and it's the revised ending. No. And it's not very much revised. <laughs> it's not very much revised. So, and I, here's the thing, I was I was in such a state of misremembrance, you know, I did not want a Mandela effect here. I did not want myself to say, maybe I misremembered. Maybe I misremembered how the ending went. Maybe it wasn't as bad as I recalled. So I looked at I looked at the Wikipedia page. I looked up other things. I looked up uh, so many pages to remind me. And sure enough, it was how I feared. You know, the mass relays were destroyed. Your choices didn't matter. Uh, you know, the, the heads of Bioware left the company after the backlash. And like apparently Jessica Chobot, who was one of the most, you know, 
not needed characters in Mass Effect 3 with Diana Allers. She was just there. Like I was yeah. I was waiting for her to do something other than just interview me and occasionally possibly flirt with with uh Shepard, which goes nowhere. Like yeah. you get one flirty line and that's it. And her even her character model just looked weird. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I I I I'm enduring this and I finally get to the end section. And when I say the end section, I mean like the final push to the beam. All right, because you you touch down, you you're disabling some guns, you know, standard Mass Effect fare. Then you get to the the main base with Anderson and his his uh, resistance movement, and you're like, okay, the battle's up going up above, and it's going fine-ish, whatever. And okay, we gotta make a push to the beam, and then we'll be fine. And like that whole sequence of like just enduring things, and oh, the the beam is screwing with our tracking system, so we can't kill this Reaper that's growing ever closer to us. And then it's a mad dash to the beam, and like everybody dies but you because you're Commander Shepard. Of course, you can't die like this. And like, ev- and like the scene, like everybody's dead. We're all doomed. And like, yeah, no, we're not definitely not gonna die. And sure enough, Shepard gets up and he like fights the husks and that one marauder that just happens to be there, which apparently was a big controversy at the end. I did yeah. not, I did not realize that that marauder was such a controversial, meme-worthy moment. And, uh, yeah, there's no boss fight. Nope. There's yeah. Nothing. Yeah. And, like, there, the missed opportunity there, it cannot be undersold because it should have been the elusive man. It, it should have absolutely been the elusive yep, man. Yep. A, a reaper-fied elusive man. Not not like Saren was, because that was something different. But, you know, the, reap, uh, the elusive man, like, taunting us as he's fighting us. But instead, the moment you enter that beam, there is no combat. It is all dialogue. Mm, like mm, every mm. step of the way, and, and this reminded me of the indoctrination theory. Because, oh yes, uh... <laughs> because and I remember that before I looked it up, but then I was like, oh yeah, there was the indoctrination theory because what happens in the end game makes no context sense in what we know a about the citadel, b about the reapers, and c what's being said. Case in point: Shepard is the only one who reaches the beam. They say that specifically, and yet. After he gets out of the beam, Anderson calls and goes, hey, I joined in behind you. Okay. And, hey, I'm not where you are. Okay. I'm somehow ahead of you. And everything looks so weird, except he couldn't have been ahead of him. That's not how teleporters work. Uh, B, why would the teleporter you know, beam people to random parts of the Citadel, including a place c- closer to the control system where everything can be stopped? See, why was there no one else on the Citadel except human corpses if they somehow moved it from that part of space where the Citadel is to the local cluster? Makes no sense. And then the elusive man just happens to be there. Okay, fine. Be that way. You know, villain. He, he could do that. He's the villain. And then he elusive man goes out just like Sarah and he kills himself. Really? Yeah. That, that that's that's it. And then and then there's the Star Child, as they call him. <laughs> Yeah, like Ugh. exposition extreme. <laughs> like here's here's a step by step breakdown of all the choices you can make, except for the refusal, which you have to, I guess, prompt yourself or whatever. And I'm like listening to this, and again, this is the legendary version with the extended DLC, like the Leviathan DLC, who were the Reapers creators and the creators of Star Child, apparently. And I'm like listening to this, and it's like this makes no gosh dang sense. You know, 
they like the star child literally says we can't force this onto people and then he goes oh but you can do it you can force them to do it but why <laughs> why 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 would shepherd of all people or not anyone else not the protheans not anyone else and and uh, it makes no sense it makes no gosh dang sense and i chose the synthesis uh result because it seemed like the best one i didn't want to go for destroying the reapers and thus all synthetic life uh, i'm not gonna, <laughs> I, i'm not gonna kill trisha helper i am not going to do that you know and I, that would be betraying my buddy joker and you know bros before you know and uh <laughs> bros before garden tools um and so I chose Synthesis, and I'm watching this, and Edie does the epilogue dialogue, which, being blunt here, doesn't really make sense. I mean, mm. I kind of get what they were going for, because she was synthetic, and now, quote, I am alive, and whatever, and it just felt out of place. And then, of mm. course, they did the memorial for Anderson, who's the only one who dies. Okay. Yep. Anderson and Shepard. Oh, I need Lucifer, man, but he doesn't count. He's the villain. Uh, we want him to die. No. We want him to die. Okay, even though he's voiced by Mar by, by Martin Sheen, uh, he's a great villain. Yes, he's a great villain. <laughs> Cop out ending, but great villain. Again, he was too much like Saren. It was it was at the end. It was just it was just bad, and like it just felt odd in so many ways, even without with the revisions. And it sucks because I loved playing the Legendary Edition, seeing the improvements. You know doing some things differently last time, getting the expanded story and whatnot. I maxed out that uh, a military meter. So I could... Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, yeah. None, none of the choices matter. <laughs> I did, no. I did, they basically pulled a telltale. Exactly. Everything I did... That's a great That's a great reference. Well, actually, <laughs> I did everything to save to save Palavin, to save Tachanka, to save Ronok, to save the Geth to save you know ashley and miranda and all of my friends and you know the citadel dlc was beautiful i screwed it up a little bit but i, I was fine at the end uh that was that was great dlc <laughs> but um I was, you know, i'm just having this great time and then the ending is just like yeah you fought all this way shepherd's gonna i was fine with shepherd dying like that needs to be yeah his story could have gone with him living but it meant more that he died but the fact that he died for these choices which are glossed over in so many ways makes it's it's a betrayal in many respects like oh you either destroy the reapers and ruin all of synthetic life and basically doom yourselves later on you control the reapers and become the very enemy that you hated or you blend synthetics and uh people together and you hope that everyone doesn't mind <laughs> so really? yeah, uh, all I could just imagine is welcome to Mass Factory, where all your where the ending's made up and your actions don't matter. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> which is sad. And now you have to do a hoedown. <laughs> <laughs> I could make an extra joke there, but I will not. Um, so yeah, look, I love, I still love Mass Effect, but even with the benefit of hindsight and uh, time away from the final game and its ending, it's just. It's just not the right ending. It's it's not. It's it's bad in numerous ways. And then just the like the still shot images of uh like oh we made civilization better. Here's Jack with her crew. Here's here's Rex on Tachanka. Here's you know Miranda being alliance for reasons unknown and <laughs> and whatnot. Uh, it's bad. It's bad. like I wanted more, especially after. Uh, everything I've gone through with all of these comrades, the the most meaningful part of that ending 
was everybody mourning Anderson and Shepard at the end. And even then, it was still weird that Liara hugged Edie because Edie was the most emotional. I'm like, no, Liara is <laughs> my girl. Right? Yeah. <laughs> my, ama my amazing blue Asari, who Tali would be a close second, though, in terms of partner. Uh, screw you, Ashley. Not literally, though. Um, <laughs> also, I, I got to call this out. Uh, the Citadel Party DLC had some of the funniest dialogue in the history of history, including a certain story about Grunt getting drunk and having fun. Oh, I, I remember that. And, Shepard, and, at, and at the end, Shepard literally goes, Grunt, you're my hero. And I'm like, that's great. That is great. Uh, also, uh, the uh, the apparent comments that a specialist trainer made about Edie's voice were interesting. Um, look it up. It's, it's hilarious. And then my personal favorite, which is both hilarious and wrong, Tali is showing her scientific knowledge of her, her people's periodic table. And she's in a room dancing with Trainer and Rex, no, sorry, Garrus and uh, Jack and such. And she shouts out, so she's like, 68, there's this element. And then she goes, 69, and Jack goes, you wish. <laughs> and then she's like, I don't get it. And Trainer goes, I'll explain it to you later. I'm like, I bet you do. I bet you will, Trainer. I'm sure you would. So, again, I, I maintain what I said. Mass Effect Trilogy is one of the best trilogies you'll ever find, except for the ending. I, 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 yeah. Ironically, that ending gave so much content, though, for me after beating it because I wanted to invest so much more into the indoctrination theory. Yeah. <laughs> because it was the only theory at the time that gave me, like, reasons to want to play the ending again, to, like, look for some of the small things that get, like, titled in it. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. And I totally, but, I totally saw some of the dialogue in the, in the modified version that matched the indoctrination theory. Yeah. Even though it's not real, but it's like, no. Anderson's like, this looks like collector base. Like, this looks nothing like the collector base. What are you talking about? <laughs> Did you, were you not there? No. It's like, you were there. Nah, nah, nah. I mean, it, personally for me, I, I, oh, I can't help but oh, I got to go over the Renegade ending just because, again, hearing Peter Collin just actually making it official. Again, it's Peter freaking Collin. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Back up. Peter Collin was in the game? Uh, yeah, he was, uh, yeah, it's great, as Commander, he's Optimus Prime, Optimus Prime is in this game! Where? In, in the Renegade ending, uh, what, uh, what was his name again, that Commander? Ah, uh, dang it, uh, what was his name? Shoot, I go, I'm going on Google. Yeah, Google, because I do not remember hearing Peter Cullen's voice, and I know Peter Cullen very well, okay? I am Optimus Prime. Anyway, uh, <laughs> okay, well, while, while Will's looking that up, I need to go to the other game I've been playing, which is The Last of Us Part 1. Because I have been writing my comparison piece, and I get the feeling, and I know this is controversial, not that I care, that The Last of Us Part 1 it gets the kind, same treatment as uh, Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, and that we are so blinded by the beauty of the game that we don't recognize some of the flaws that are inherently there. And no, I'm not talking about like, the frame rate issues or whatever. That's just that's, <laughs> that's the PC version, and I've honestly not had that many after some of the patches that happened. Um, the reason I say this is that in my comparison of the, sh the game to the show, the show absolutely does certain things so much better than the game. And, I'm not, and in terms of like characters and storylines and such. And at points it's almost like, how did no one call this out before? Because I can't be the only one who's seeing this. <laughs> like, for example, uh, Henry and Sam are rendered much better in the show than the video game. Um, they they they're much more random in the video game, and they're 
uh, actions and motivations are a lot more basic. You know, Henry's uh, just the overprotective big brother, and Sam's just, you know, trying to get some credit and not screw things up. And of course he does, he gets bit. Uh, also, he flirts with Ellie, which is not awkward at all. <laughs> and then my personal favorite, uh, actually, I got two favorites. The, the you, you don't know a lot, you know, nothing what loss is. Uh, how it's delivered and the reason for deliverance, reason for deliverance, the reason for delivering it is much better in the TV show where Joel, we actually see his breaking on the inside. You know, he's having panic attacks, he's scared. And then in the game, he literally just goes up to Tommy and goes, yeah, she's yours now. Just take her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, literally, I'm like, I'm like, maybe that's a Mandela effect. Maybe I'm misremembering it. And then he, he literally goes, I saved you in Boston. I, you owe me. And he goes, I don't owe you nothing. And he then threatens to kill him if he doesn't back off. And, and like, that dynamic is totally different in the show where Pedro Pascal, in an Emmy-nominating performance, I'm sure, reveals like you know he has dreams about failing you know all i do is fail i i can't protect this girl and he wants tommy to do it versus him just going yeah tommy you know she's the cure do, do your brother a solid and you know just go take her off my hands just like it felt so <laughs> hollow there um but as as i've noted with scott in the past the danger in the game is so much better and like mm -hmm. the world feels much more inhabited in the game than the show and it's terrifying at times. And I, I no, I'm serious. It, 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 there's this one shot in, uh, I think it's a hotel in Pittsburgh. And Joe, they're going through this room. And I did not see this the first time. And there's a, there's a scribble on a whiteboard. And it goes, uh, hey, take the kids to your mother's house. It's not safe here. Blah blah. blah. Oh, oh, okay. okay. And, yeah, I remember that and one. on yeah. the screen, I didn't re see this before. And then um, there's a scribble next to it that's written by like Raiders or whatever, and it goes, "Don't worry, we took good care of her." <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it, there is definitely a lot of environmental storytelling in the game, which exactly. like yeah, it gets real dark. And that yeah. that seriously affected me because I'm like, at first I thought it was just like a, a miswrite of like, because it it sounded weird when I wrote it. Like, what do you mean they took good care of her? I'm like. Oh crap! Oh. <laughs> yep, exactly. And it's like it's it it that hurt. That really hurt to read because I'm like, and then I'm like, I'm so glad I'm killing all you mother efforts just in case that woman is still alive because now there's no one. There's gonna be no one left to hurt her anymore. It's and, apocalypse. Everyone dies. So you might want to keep too much hope. <laughs> exactly. And then like the story of Ish in the sewers, and uh, there's a moment that I remember before replaying the game about how a parent killed their kids and said they didn't suffer. And uh, then, oh, yeah. And then I get to that moment. I'm like, dang, this is just as bad as I remembered. And they, <laughs> he, the guy wrote a note saying it, maybe they'll save us, but if not, I'll make sure I'll, I'll do the job quick. And I'm just like, and even, even Joel's like, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> if you read the note, like you, exactly. you hear that, that reaction from Joel, like, geez. Yeah. 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 And, and there's so many notes like that. The, the game makes the world feel so much more alive and the danger is everywhere versus the show, which is like, yeah, there's slavers and raiders. Where are they? <laughs> where where are they dang you and so uh and tess tess in the game is so much better than tv show i will die on that hill um because in the in the game she's the boss yep 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 period yeah joel even calls her boss at one point yep and uh, she kills people because she can't in the show she doesn't kill anybody 
Mm. Not 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 a single person except that like one of the infected, which of course you're supposed to kill them. But in the game, that she walks up to one of Robert's uh people, he's cussing her out, and she goes, "Oh, enough with this!" and shoots him right in the head. <laughs> and I'm like, "What a woman!" <laughs> and then she and then Robert's trying to beg for his life, like, "Hey, we'll go and kill the fireflies together." And she goes, "That is a stupid idea," and shoots him. I'm just like, "Oh, I'm in love!" Like. Yeah, Tess comes off so much better in the game, than the mm-hmm. show. and so that makes me. And, and but so obviously that's a that's a point for the game. But there are other things that the show gets better, and it just makes me wonder: is this game under the same blinders as certain other titles? Because we we like we appreciate the beauty so much that we ignore the flaws, and like like a Tears of the Kingdom, like a Breath of the Wild, which like everyone's like, oh, this is a perfect game, and we're like. Not really. <laughs> not particularly. Like, I mean, it's great, but it's not perfect. Yeah, like, even though, like, again, even with, like, raving reviews, again, that was in the details and all that. There were definitely some cracks in parts of it that you will notice, like, could they have done better? Of course. Like, of course. The only, there will be only really times when there is that quote-unquote perfect game. I don't know. Yeah. But, there is, but again, if you want to... Tr- like when you try to do something like with The Last of Us, again, it is definitely a 10 out of 10 game of the year kind of contender. If I think it did one game of the year one, but uh, oh, it absolutely one game of the year. And but yeah. yeah, but even then, like there's definitely still some areas that could definitely clearly still be a proof of pond. Yeah. So again, I'm loving the game. I, I'm I'm at the uh, the hospital right now, which you know the game did definitely be better than the show. So and yeah. Then, yeah. Again, there, there are games that the parts of the game did absolutely better than the show. Then other times the show did better than the game. That's honestly just how it works sometimes. And even uh, Neil Druckmann is like, man, I didn't have these ideas until you know Craig suggested them to me, like with Sam being deaf. So, you know, it's it's one of those things. But my, I will hopefully have my comparison up by the weekend, and I hope you will check it out and enjoy it. And if you want to debate me, you'll lose. So, <laughs> you will lose. All right. And now we are on to the news because there's been some very interesting stories of the week. So it's time to go down the war pipe. And first, Pikmin 4. Ooh. Ooh. So it's been out a week ish, and the reviews are solid. Demos seem to have everyone excited for it. And now we have some, some of the results. According to Famitsu in Japan, uh, Pikmin had sold by the end of the 23rd, so that was uh, two days after release. It had sold 401,853 copies in physical game sales, so not including the digitals, which Nintendo does not reveal until they want to. Until they want to, Nintendo. <laughs> until they feel like it. Until we are dang well ready. Um, why is that significant? Well, by comparison, that number is better than the first three games physical sales combined. Yep. yep, 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 Yeah, so that's that's pretty impressive for various reasons. <laughs> and that's just Japan, which I would mean, I, I would wager that between the UK and the US sales, not including everything else, it's already over a million. Mm-mm. Here, yeah. That's hoping the, the guess of it all, because like, again, like I think we wait about like 10 years for this entry, for number four now, since number for number three. Give or take. So about, <laughs> yeah. And so it just feels like, yeah, this game, 
again, Polish definitely shows again Miyamoto want this thing to be the quote unquote next icon of Nintendo. And yeah, just like again, as my perspective, like again, the game is definitely good, very polished and all that. So I'm just glad to see people are giving this game Pikmin a chance once again. And again, the fact you can play all all four games now on on the Switch makes it even better. So by all means, I'm just glad to see the numbers are up there and people are giving this game a chance. Yeah, and that's the important thing is that even by Miyamoto's standards, he's like, I can't believe this game isn't doing better, and or the series isn't doing better. We talked about this last week, and now it seems that you know they're they're getting the chance. Maybe it's because the Switch is just a better console for people to play it on, or they they up the accessibility versus the difficulty. So maybe, but I, this is definitely going to be a million seller. I don't think anyone's going to doubt that right now, especially since we don't we're going to be waiting a while for the next big. Uh, Nintendo release, which is Super Mario RPG. <laughs> no, no, that comes out in November. Oh, okay, that for a while. Wonder comes out in October. So, oh, all right, okay, okay. Is there nothing in September? I know there's something in August. Whatever. Anyway, so congrats to uh, Pikmin. Uh, hopefully, we'll have some bigger, bigger, and better numbers by next week. We shall see. And now for the story that Will has been dying to talk about, and I've been dying to talk about too. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a new Splatfest coming up. <laughs> now, this is ironic for multiple reasons. First off, if you remember last week's show, I actually predicted we wouldn't get a Splatfest next month because they've taken months off for one reason or another, and I was seriously thinking we might not get one in August and we'll wait till September, which is why I made that really bad Labor Day joke. So it was a great joke, but I'm just saying it because I'm trying to sound humble. Uh, but what is the Splatfest this time, ladies and gentlemen? Well, it's something a little familiar <laughs> with a little bit new. It is money versus fame versus love. Oh, boy. Yeah, we are re-examining that topic once again. And the question is from that is what's most important in life? Those three, money, fame, or love, which? <laughs> Nothing. Neither of them. In the words of Conan, what is best in life is to crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentations of the women. <laughs> and I know that makes me sound old, but I don't care. It's a great line. <laughs> that or basically paying reference to One Piece. <laughs> the One Piece is real, man. Anyway. So, longtime viewers of this podcast will know the uh, secret history of why this particular Splatfest is so important to us. <laughs> But to those of you like Scott or Faith, if she ever wakes up, um, here's the backstory. Our previous regular co-host, Tellius Tyler, who is still in the Shatterverse somewhere. We keep trying to send him DMs. Apparently, he's got bad internet. I don't know. Um, we get tails on that, Tyler. It's not that hard. <laughs> uh, we, my gosh, he built like a plane out of like pliers and such. I don't know. Uh, there's a line from a Sonic game about that. Uh, anyway. In Splatoon 2, there was love versus money. And me and Will were on Team Love, and Tyler was on Team Money. And this Splatfest, for whatever reason, was so close that Nintendo literally revised their results system to go from just straight-up percentages to decimal point percentages. Two decimal points, to be precise. They <laughs> wanted to show exactly how close this was. And Tyler lost his gosh-dang mind. All right. He 
went on a conspiracy theory run that he still maintains to this day that money actually won and that Nintendo rigged the results so that Love would win. And then they even did the decimal point system just to quote-unquote prove that they were right and not wrong. And he, 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 that is a hill he is probably still dying on in the Shatterverse. So <laughs> this might be the only way for him to get the closure he needs because if Love wins, which I I would bet money it does. Oh, dang it! <laughs> I'd bet money it does. I would bet a lot that it does. It doesn't have to be money. It could be like candy or something. I don't care. I've got a lot of candy in my house. Uh, thanks, mom. So if if Love wins, it would it would put an end to this. If money wins, we're never gonna hear the end of it. Yeah. Again, we had three splat versus again. Unfortunately, the first one. Uh, if you don't know, the first in Splatoon one, it was only Japanese territory only. So now it's going. Now we're in Splatoon two. Now in Splatoon three, we're going these topics once again. And here's hoping that third time's a bloody charm. Love wins again, and Tyler can suck it. <laughs> um, like yes, this is gonna be the the rematch of the century. And if Tyler is listening to this podcast. <laughs> I will be gloating to the to to the cows combo and play that Beatles song once again to get it into your head. <laughs> so yeah, this is going to be what's the word? Something. This is going to be something. Uh, and for those who are curious about the dates of this event, it is uh, August 11th through 13th. So only in a few weeks. So we're like already almost there, which made it even more shocking to me, honestly. <laughs> I thought they would have delayed it a little more to August, but, you know, whatever. So uh, be on the lookout for when you can make your early picks. And for the love of all, I totally pick love. Remember, <laughs> <laughs> money can buy me love. Yeah. And, and this, and gentlemen, I will just break kayfabe here a little bit and just say, if we want to team up and just talk about why love is more important than both of those things, I am not going to stop us. <laughs> We need to have a, if we could have a unified front <laughs> against Tyler and all the haters out there who do prefer money or fame over love, this is the time to unite. <laughs> <laughs> a rallying banner of that night. <laughs> exactly. This is the time, Patriotic Music Place. This is the time to come together as a community <laughs> so that we can dispel the. I don't know who I was doing right there, but it felt empowering. It felt empowering. <laughs> Yes, you want to be like Ganondorf. Yes, we know. Ah! <laughs> All right. So, again, uh, that'll be up in a few weeks. So, we hope you will be ready for that. And if not, <laughs> prepare for the fallout. I, uh, it's, it will be good. All right. Next up. Uh, okay. This is an interesting one. Capcom recently dropped information on what they dubbed their top five best selling franchises. And let's do a little mini quiz time here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Scott, first, who, what do you think are the top five best-selling franchises in Capcom history? Go. Uh, Mega Man. <laughs> okay, oh, let me revise. You can just shout them out. It doesn't have to be in any order. Oh, okay. Okay, go. Mega Man, Monster Hunter, Resident Evil. I think what the other two would be. One of them should be really easy. Probably is. Because it just came out. Oh, are you saying Exoprimal is actually there? Dude. <laughs> that's, that's, dude, that's not a franchise. Prime. Came out in June. Castlevania. No. <laughs> that's Konami. What is wrong with you? My head. That's what's wrong with me. 
Do you just give up? Do you? Fine. What are the other two? <laughs> no, I'm not going to tell you. Now, now Will's got to make a prediction. Oh, okay. Okay, Will, any order, what are the top five Capcom franchises? Okay, Resident Evil, uh, Street Fighter, Monster Hunter, uh, let's see, Ace Attorney, and um, let's see, what was that fourth, fifth one again? Let's see, Resident Evil, Monster Hunter, Ace Attorney, uh, Street Fighter, and what was that fifth one? This should not be this hard. Like, <laughs> my God, this should not be this hard. Clearly, we know so much about Capcom. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Come on. What was that? Because I I actually read, read like, the same click. I, I don't remember. Scott literally said it. I'm sorry. I have a fresh, fresh brain. Uh, Time. You lose. All right. <laughs> the good news is that each of you both got three. The bad news is that it's really sad that you guys didn't get four out of the five. Here's the order. Number one, Resident Evil at 146 million units. Number two, Monster Hunter, 94 million units. Number three, Street Fighter, Scott. Yes, I figured that as soon as uh, Will said it. Yeah, 52 million. <laughs> Number four, Mega Man, Will. Uh, I don't Scott literally that. said it. That was the first thing he said. And number five, Devil May Cry. Oh, uh, wow. I forgot. I can't believe I that. forgot Devil May Cry. <laughs> Yeah, and for the record, even I knew Ace Attorney wouldn't be on there. My gosh. <laughs> I'm a fan, and I know that wasn't going to be on there. I'd be shocked. As, I'm pretty sure Ace Attorney as a whole has sold like 10 million at most. <coughs> so there you go. But still, it's impressive. And what's most impressive to me is that Monster Hunter is number two, because 10 years ago, that would not have happened. Yeah, no, not at all. Hell. So congrats to Monster Hunter for you know having the the big jump over the years between World and Rise, and uh, Street Fighter uh, that's doing good and like a couple of those million just from Six that just came out that just came out Scott. Um, I know. Do you? <laughs> I do now. <laughs> I'm mad. I'm mad at Will the most because you know you he forgot Scott forgot Street Fighter or whatever, but you literally just said Mega Man and he couldn't think of Mega Man. Like, How? <laughs> How? <laughs> All right, but yeah, I, I'm curious. I'm, I'm very interested in this. And then there's rumors going around that Capcom either has like a new game or a new IP that's going to drop next year that's guaranteed to sell millions. Yeah, because that's never backfired on anybody in history. Not at all. Yeah. Uh, but hey, I'll admit Capcom's been on a roll. This year alone, they had Resident Evil 4 Remake, which did very, very well. Street Fighter Six, which is doing very well, and it's going to be like the top thing at Evo, and then Exoprimal apparently has a million players. Notice how they say that. Yeah, they don't want to say the sales. <laughs> players, not sales, which means one thing: Game Pass. Game Pass. Yeah. <laughs> Game Pass. Ugh. Hey, if it works, I guess. I, I mean, Exo Primal is one of those games that kind of needs players to keep going, so it, it makes sense. We'll see how quickly that dies out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have more Switch successor news. Yay! <laughs> I know you're so excited. You can't contain it. No. All right. So what's the rumor this time? Well, here's the deal. This technically isn't a rumor. It's actually a financial report statement from a Chinese manufacturer called PixArt. 
Not Pixar, Pixart. Totally different. There's an extra letter. And, <laughs> and the A is capitalized. I'm looking at it right now. Okay, according to them, they said they will be busy manufacturing components for a brand new console from a Japanese company that hasn't launched a new system in years, which is set to release in early 2024. Gee, that's oddly specific. The Sega's coming back, yo. No. <laughs> Sega. Trying <laughs> to find out if Sega really does when Nintendo don't. <laughs> uh. Yeah, obviously this is the Switch successor. I don't know what part, obviously. Oh, here we go. It's actually in the second part of the tweet. Here we go. Uh, apparently, the PixArt art, uh, has provided parts for the Switch Joy-Cons and other Nintendo systems. And so, yeah, so they already have a working relationship with Nintendo. So they're clearly going to be trusted to make the new parts for the new system, whatever that may be. Let's hope it actually fixes the Joy-Con drift then, please. Drift! <laughs> drift! So, I, I I don't know. And, and hey, th- th- you might be thinking, wait a minute, doesn't this mean that we're going to have Joy-Cons on the next system? Not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. Possibly, could have Joy-Con but... technology, but that doesn't mean we'll have Joy-Cons. There you go. <laughs> right, right, right. Again, with, now with people actually making clearly better Joy-Cons than Nintendo <laughs> themselves, and clearly the characters making overclocked switches to actually play Zelda on a 60, <laughs> on 90, 60 to 90 frames per second. Like, the, again, the fact that pe- people have done it better than Nintendo is like, okay, we've learned from this. Okay, ha- people hacking the switches. Maybe we can take the cues and actually make them for ourselves. I don't know. Maybe Tuttle's probably taking cues. <laughs> it's it's hard a hard to say, but as always, and we are going to keep saying this until the bloody console is announced. Do not, under any circumstances, believe the rumors or the potential hype for the new system until Nintendo themselves say something. Please, for the love of God. Okay. All right. Nintendo will announce it in due time. Period. It'll get here when it gets here, dang it. Exactly. That is beautifully said, Scott. Do not... There's going to be so many rumors and statements about what is coming and what it might be like and, you know, what games will be on the launch, you know. Who knows what it's going to be. That's literally part of the point. So wait for Nintendo to say something. And that's it. Okay, it should not be that hard, and yet people keep doing reports like this. Is this now again? This is a financial report. This is not a rumor. That is important, but it's still we're not really getting any information. It's just saying that hey, this company that has worked with Nintendo in the past is going to keep working with Nintendo. Okay. Shocker. Shock. <laughs> again, Scott with the rise words here. Shock. Period. Ugh. So, live and learn. Don't, don't. Yeah. coming back. Dreamcast too, baby. Okay. Honest question here. This is not a news story, but I, I really want to ask. What would your reaction be to Sega saying, hey, we're going to make a console again? What would you be your reaction? One at a time. Gosh, okay. dang you. Sorry. Go first. I think it'd be hilarious, but I'd also want to try it out just because I missed the Dreamcast. <laughs> well, and, and for me, I was like, if Sega's coming back, okay, great, make Skies of Arcadia. <laughs> I mean, you just That's can't, not surprising. You just can't help yourself. 
You just if can't. it's Sega, either be Yakuza or freaking Skies of Arcadia. It's not those two. All right. Next up is is not really much of a news. Okay, it's, actually, there's a news story. It's it's a two part story. So today, at the time of this recording, the 27th, uh, Nintendo Switch Online has just added two of the best Zelda games ever to the online service. Uh, Legend of Zelda Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons, which was the Capcom titles for the Game Boy Color. That's right, Capcom made Zelda games. Yep. Once a time. And they were good, dang it! <laughs> you got to be a punching kangaroo. Ridiculousness is great. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, also, I totally had a crush on Nehru, not just because of her blue hair. Anyway, that was a long-time joke. I'm sure some of you got it. <laughs> but um, I have a thing for blue-haired women. Anyway, Lost train of thought. Oh, Ages and Seasons. Yes, we uh, they have finally came to the uh, Nintendo Switch Online, and it's, seriously, the, these games were for me reaffirmers of why I love the franchise. A, it was just it was a handheld game, which I loved, but they were so deep that they had great stories, they had great villains, and technically there was an interconnected saga you could do. I never got it to work. I could never get it to work. I, I don't know what I did wrong. But you will be able to play the uh, epilogue story with Twin Rove and Zelda after you beat both games. So follow the you know the follow, proper path and you'll get to do it. But uh, if you've never played these games, they're really great. They're they take a nice break from like everything that's going on with Ganon and Zelda and such. So and go and enjoy them. And if for those who are feeling nostalgic, this is a great way to do it. And that leads into the second part of the story, which is that someone realized that there are exactly 15 Zelda games available right now on the Switch. 15. That's a lot. That is quite a bit. Okay, now I'm going to list them all for you. And they're not the ones you're expecting, all right? So we have Legend of Zelda, Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link, uh, the original SNES Link to the Past, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask N64, Link's Awakening DX, that's the Game Boy Color one, Seasons and Ages, which just got added, uh, Game Boy Advance, Minish Cap, Cadence of Hyrule, which is uh, Crypt of the uh, Necro Dan Necrodancer. Yep, right? yep, yep. That's the expansion there. Breath of the Wild, Link's Awakening Remake, Skyward Sword HD, Tears of the Kingdom, and then the two Hyrule Warriors games. So, yep. Yep, yep, yep. That's a lot. That is quite a bit. Yeah. And it's, I'm sure some people forgot about some of them, like uh, Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition and Cadence of Hyrule. I certainly did. <laughs> I certainly did. So, and if you're wondering, well, wait a minute, Todd. Uh, how many games aren't on the Switch from the Zelda franchise? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> there is the uh, three different versions of Four Swords. Let's just call it one for now. Uh, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, Phantom Hourglass, Spirit Tracks, A Link Between Worlds, Triforce Heroes, which no one remembers. Uh, crossbow training, which everyone remembers. From <laughs> we uh, don't want to remember it. No, <laughs> not one, not two, but three Zelda CDI games, which everyone wishes would burn. The not one, not two, but three Tingle games, which no one wants to remember. <laughs> and then a trio of other, other titles that, uh, oh, they're Game & Watch titles. They, yeah. They have Game & Watch titles? Even I didn't know that. <laughs> Okay, but yeah, that 
so this franchise is quite robust. But the fact that we basically have half of the games, oh, I'm going to go over half because some of them don't deserve to be on the list. Uh, <laughs> over half the franchise on one system is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to find like for a series like Zelda to actually be major, like, a good majority of it all being on a single console itself is like, yeah, it, you don't really hear that uh, that often. I, no. I... no, but where's that Wind Waker? Dang it! <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like there were rumors that we were going to get Wind Waker and uh, Twilight Princess HD on the Switch. We never did, but you know. That's... One can hope. <laughs> there's still, there's technically still time. There's still time. They can still bring in the rest of the games onto Switch and port them over like they've always done. So exactly. maybe just just waiting. I don't know. Yeah. So if you have never had the, a chance or ability to play some of these legendary, legendary uh, Zelda titles, <laughs> now is your chance. So go have fun and see where it leads you. All right. All right, next we have a smaller story. Fire Emblem Three Houses just celebrated its four-year anniversary. And there were some facts about this that I found very interesting, not the least of which is that this is the best strategy RPG game, sorry, the best-selling strategy RPG game ever. According according to the tweet I found, uh, which is from a Nintendo insider, so they do do the research. Apparently, the game has sold over 4 million units, which makes it the best-selling Fire Emblem game of all time. Better than Awakening, better than Fates, and, of course, better than Engage, which just came out in January. Uh, and uh, this game still is the, the standard bearer for, for me. And uh, that and the Telia Saga, but obviously that one didn't have the sales behind it, sadly. But this game was really, really good. If I was to do another playthrough, I know I would enjoy it. I would not mind sinking like another hundred hours. <laughs> there, there's your there's hundred hour game. Persona yep. 5. You're not alone, Persona 5. <laughs> so. so basically, yeah, Dre has his VCD Persona 5 of our envelope, basically. So we did it first, and we argued. Actually, no, we didn't do it first because Persona no. 5 came out first. Dang you! <laughs> <laughs> Dang you! So. Either way, uh, happy anniversary. We all love the game, and uh, we're all excited for what you do in this style next time. Yeah. Also, Blue Lions are still the best. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Dimitri. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm still waiting for Dimitri to be in death battle. That's just... That's just... <laughs> Dimitri or Edelgar would be in death battle if we're not going to get Ike. So, yeah. Anyway, Dimitri versus Guts. All right, okay, this next one is uh, an interesting story for various reasons. It is an insider reporting about Super Mario Brothers Wonder, which is the one that's coming out on October 20th. So what's the story? Well, apparently, while the game is still your traditional 2D Mario title, which we all expected, this game currently has such a brutal difficulty that it is, quote, decimating testers. Hmm. Now, who would be writing such a report like that? That would be Zippo! He's back. <laughs> Why? Okay. Yeah, I don't like this guy. I've never liked this guy. He's made so many reports about so many games, including Fire Emblem and Donkey Kong and Metroid. I'm sure he did such pro story, Mr. Insider. And like, how many of those have actually come true? Exactly. So... I don't know what to make of this. It is clear that Wonder is going to be a drastically different kind of Mario 2D title, but that's fine. Like, we're excited for that. The idea of it being 
like it decimating testers, that just means that Nintendo is, might turn down the difficulty later. You know, you got to find that right balance, and that's what testing is for. You know, is it too hard? Is it too easy? Et cetera, et cetera. I, do, I fully do not expect this to be a certain kind of title that may or may not be our main event topic. <laughs> I mean, if anything else, Nintendo always will always have that one option, like with the a la white tanuki suit they always have in, the, in many recent games. So at least they will be having that that accessibility option because they have to do that recent games. Yeah, I again, I don't trust... Um, I don't trust Zippo. I don't. He said that Genealogy of the Holy War is coming. It hasn't. He said that a Donkey Kong game for Switch is coming. It hasn't. Again, I know he's made Metroid uh, references before to 4 or other ones that wasn't Dread. He was wrong. And he, he just keeps popping in. Now he's like, oh, this game is going to be extremely hard. I highly doubt it. Yeah. Nintendo. Challenging games by all means. Yeah. The Posse for Heart, sure, with Kirby, with Mario, the perfect run in, in Super Mario Galaxy, yes, capable. But like, ball, like brick busting? Mm, some doubt. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't know. But uh, again, if the game is more challenging because of like the, 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 the quote-unquote wonder element, which there is going to be something called Wonder Flowers, which completely warp reality which just further if affirms that this is just you know mario on weed um get it flowers weed anyway um, <laughs> I, the game is clearly lsd all right like let's just be honest it is mario and crew on lsd but um see now i forgot what i was gonna say uh it, it, i doubt the game is gonna be so difficult that it breaks people for the simple reason that the 2d mario games are meant to be challenging enough but still easy for the casual fans yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and even something like Odyssey, which had plenty of challenges, was never like, "Oh my gosh, this is like so difficult." You know, get good. No, it's just, "Hey, I gotta you know refine my techniques a little bit more to make sure I get like the jumping down or the speed down." You know, use the the hat powers better. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Mario yeah, it's no Mario. nightmare mode. Exactly. <laughs> Gee, that would be a great main event topic. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> all right, this next one, I will let Will take over because it is amiibo time. Uh, regarding to yeah, oh yes, uh, because we recently got an uh, announcement that. Did you seriously that... forget? Are you kidding me, <laughs> Mister? I'm gonna go to Nintendo, you know, of New York, and make sure I get Pikmin and all these amiibo stuff. Not. <laughs> I, I don't even mean the other ones. We're going to the restock, but yes, thank you for reminding me. <laughs> but so yes, in case you haven't already gotten with Pikmin Four release date, the Pirate Enemy Third Amiibo is currently out on the wild right now. If you got them already, because I last I checked on the online retailer, they've all completely all sold out. And uh, but I know Nintendo NY has, still has some stock, so if you're living in New York, great. If not, well, uh, tough <laughs> luck. Or let's say living in UK, but I digress. But aside from that, Pyramid or Amiibo release date, there, there has also been news as well of other Amiibos actually getting a restock, which is, I believe, Lucario, uh, and a couple of other, um, other Smash series Amiibo as well. So if you haven't got a chance to get the, the other older Amiibos, by all means, this is now your second chance to get them. So hopefully, yeah. we get Joker eventually. Again, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, like like yeah, yeah, joke, and of course, naturally, the one that everyone's been waiting for, but that's gonna be going through much uh, lawyer hell, is which is the Sora amiibo, which we don't know yes. when it's gonna come out. <laughs> oh, so, that is an instant day one pre-order. I don't care. <laughs> exactly, like 
I, and I wrote about this once the Pyro and Mithra came out. I'm like, are we ever going to get Sora? And the more I think about it, the re I really don't think we will. I mean, we got Sephiroth, but let's think, let's, and Cloud, but I feel that that's a lesser level. And like you said, uh, Sora is part Disney, technically. So, I, I don't know. And they again, like Square Enix, while they are really antsy about their IPs, again, the fact that Sakai asked them like and gave the okay, they gave their blessings, that's by all means a green light. But with yeah. Disney, Disney's another beast. Again, it is lawyer heck. Like, just have to, again, with from the games, from, from Sony to Disney, like, yeah, just three major parties you have to go and talk to to make something like this. Again, and Disney have made their own quote-unquote amiibos before, and it failed on them. So do you want to give more money to Nintendo to get, allow them to use your IP? So that's that's a, that's another art debate there. I don't know what's going to happen with Sora or Joker or whatever, but at least you got Pyro and Mithra. So be happy. <laughs> I is to the point I actually got two sets of them, actually. And <laughs> also, uh, and quick FYI as well, uh, with the release, alongside the release of the Amiibos, the uh, Bay Chronicles 3 has updated their, ga their game to have an extra mission to allow you to get the set cosmetic for those two Amiibos. So you don't have to buy the Amiibos. You can actually play the game regularly via update. But you, if you can want play to just... this game to get content? What is this world? <laughs> yes, how rare, yes. So, and of, and of course, naturally, with all recent Amiibos, you can actually scan them through the box. You just gotta scan them through the Joy-Con controller. So, you don't have to break them for all you collectors out there. You don't have to break the box. <laughs> Alright, and with that, I will, we will now go into our main event. And as we have teased, this has to do with the uh, announcement of, or the revelation, if you will, of the alleged difficulty for Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Because we have to admit, there are Nintendo franchises out there that have been difficult to a certain degree. Uh, Fire Emblem is easily the best example because there is the Nightmare Mode, and you know that lets you increase the difficulty. Uh, there's also Pikmin. Technically, was a difficult franchise. That's why a lot of people didn't get it originally. <laughs> um, Zelda is occasionally difficult, depending on you know how you play and the, the bosses themselves. But we decided to wonder, what would it take for Nintendo to turn one of their franchises into a Dark Souls-style <laughs> title? That's right! We're going Soulsborne here! And we are going to make you get good as we become Game Makers. Alright, so here's how we're playing it, uh, pun intended. We are going to pick one franchise, just one, and we are going to define how it can be turned from the difficult or potentially challenging franchise it is right now into a Soulsborne get good game, for better or worse. It doesn't matter if the game is actually good, all right, because that's all subjective. How would Nintendo turn it into the, the, the Soulsborne games that have defined the last decade of our lives? So I will start because I want to. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to pick what I feel is an easy-ish answer, but also one with a lot of potential, and that is Metroid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Metroid games do have a difficulty to them. I mean, especially when you're playing the first-person version or even Dread with the Emmy robots, which had a lot of difficulty to Oh, them. yeah. If you didn't know how to get good. Tyler would rub my face like, Todd, you died to an Emmy. I'm like, yeah, I died to an Emmy. He goes, oh, I never did. I think I died like <laughs> Like, look good for you, Tyler. All right. So, how would I do it? Well, 
I would uh, take the best elements of like the Prime Trilogy. Yes, Trilogy, the fourth game's not out yet, nor will it ever probably come out. And uh, Dread, and just crank the difficulty up even further. All right? Like, I'm talking even less health pack expansions, <laughs> less missile expansions, and more enemies to beat. Now, there has to be a way to get around this, obviously. And my response would be, give uh, Samus certain powers that will compensate for like the less missiles and uh, less health. But the difficulty would be, you know, you have to have like the fast reaction times. Oh, the monsters are coming. Okay, got to use this weapon to you know, blast them all away. And you will be like on edge every second of the game. It's not like a cutscene. You still have cutscenes, obviously. That's part of the, the flow of the game, especially in the modern times. But you are going to go into this world and you are going to fear everything you find much more than like this will be like the real dread all right <laughs> this is the real dread and you're gonna have to be in prime form to survive see what i did there that's that was great that was two puns almost like a fusion oh <laughs> and this will be a true return of samus oh anyway but i don't know where i would put this in the timeline well, let me think about that really quick um oh i know let's put it near the beginning Okay, so I'm talking like one of her first missions as as Samus Aran, where she's still, you know, learning the ropes, you know, proving herself to the Galactic Federation and blah, blah, blah. And she gets thrown into basically a death world where it's like, you know, no one has gone there and survived Samus. We need you to figure out what's going on here. Can you do it? And of course, Samus is Samus, so she's infinitely confident for the right, <laughs> for, for the right reasons. She's not cocky. She's She's really good, obviously. But she gets thrown into this death planet, and she won't lose all her items because she doesn't have as many at this point in time. And so she'll go through this world, and the monsters will just be like an almost never-ending torrent. Like, she'll get, like, seconds, seconds to breathe before the next one comes in. And, like, that would be the focal point of the souls born here, is that you are going to die. <laughs> <laughs> you are going to die and it will be amusing for me to watch as you all suffer i won't be playing this game because i i am smart enough to know my limits but many people will try this and then there will be i, I don't know if i'll go full rpg element but ways to boost your your like your your missile powers and your 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 special beams uh certain other weapons that samus gets your screw attack obviously and you can like cut to go into the Soulsborn style, you'll customize Samus to fit your desires of what you want her power to be, her speed to be, her like her firing rate. I'm sure people will have fun with that one. So like okay. what kind of bounty hunter do you want her to be? Do you want her to be a person that can kill everyone with one shot, but the shot goes really slowly, or she's a machine gun berserker where she just blasts everything in sight indiscriminately and doesn't even <laughs> care what she's firing at. The bosses will totally be like Soulsborn bosses. Where it's like, you know, they do massive damage. So you have to really dodge. Dodge roll! Do a dodge roll! More fall, Samus! You know, uh, that kind of fun stuff. And I think it would really be easy, especially with Mercury's team, who at this point has created some really great uh, uh, Metroid titles, to take what they've learned and just crank it. Just crank it up even higher, even better. And to see just how much uh, pain and torture they can put on the gamers. <laughs> So the potential is there. Will they do this? Probably not. Metroid honestly is hard enough on its own to a certain extent, but 
if they wanted to go Soulsborn, this would be the way to do it. Put her on a death planet, give her weapons that you can uh, upgrade to your desires. If you find the right upgrade items, obviously, and just deliver almost never-ending torrent of enemies just to put the pressure on and never let it up. I am evil. You are welcome. <laughs> All right, Will, how about you? What's your get good version of a Nintendo game? Hmm, like, there's only one Nintendo game aside from, like, yeah, Metroid that really says to get good. And because, I'm, I'm, because I've been seeing some videos of it, and the fact that people can't even beat this game unless they have save state is absolutely mind-boggling. And I'm going to go with the good old, the tried and true that we grew up with, and that is Donkey Kong. Like, <laughs> yeah, because the reason I say Donkey Kong is because, like, the fact that, I don't know, maybe like we, we grew up in a tough generation back in the early 90s. And early, like Donkey Kong Country back in the day was tough. We didn't have no internet. We couldn't tell any force that wasn't going to come after that next few screens afterwards. And of course, the respawning enemies, you don't know what's going to come from. Like, and the placement of them, like, you know, that minecart level. Oh, that minecart level. That, that was like nightmare inducing. Like, the time of the jumps is. Like, even now with, like, the modern games, like Tropical Freeze and all that, like, we we know Donkey Kong has always been that, like, brick buster. Like, really only meant for the hardcore, especially for like, completionist runs. But how, how about, again, like, give him that from software trim to actually even be more tougher than it is? And, like, how can you improve something that's already been tough? And... Like, maybe they could definitely go back into, I don't know, the N64 route, like, back with Donkey Kong 84 and, like, maybe do something similar of, like, doing an open-world uh, RPG style of some sorts. Like, I know with, like, some of the bosses, they can definitely up upgrade, get that from software boss treatment. Or, like, even with how, with the recent trailer from uh, uh, Armored Core 5's Rubicon, Rubicon uh, just, like have these like very quick moments like quick bosses like or even put as with yoko's horror style gets give him a, a bloody bullet hell of like from king k rule of of sorts like there's definitely a lot of like like the um, hard games like from toho from hell, bullet hells to from softwares that of just like really unfair bosses and i could definitely see like something that could be applied in the Donkey Kong universe. Like the one boss that pretty much says in my mind is like one, of course, naturally King K rule, just because his, uh, albeit his jump patterns or like his attacks from his cannibal, his, his blunderbuss, like you recognize, you remember back in the classic games is just like, yeah, it's it, like, you gotta like foresight, but at the same time, you gotta remember his like, um, foresight attack patterns and, and many other factors just like and also don't press jump too early or press jump too late like how in Ender ring like you have those big delay windups you can you can tell it tells us what they're gonna do but you still get hit regardless so in donkey kong fashion like if they're gonna make another 2d game or a 3d game i could feel like they could definitely improve something of that and like piggybacking off we're going to what Todd said about Metroid like yeah they could definitely I don't know put even more like even like I don't know even enemies that are just absolutely even after the point invincible unless you like I don't know get like a TNT bear or like a, a star equivalent of taking them out so yeah Donkey Kong is just is the old school Nintendo IP that is just brick buster and I could definitely see if they could 
if they want to go for that get good route up from software, then yeah, they they are definitely capable of doing doing so. So yeah, for me, Donkey Kong Country. Interesting. Like I remember Tropical Freeze. I had such a hard time with that game. I literally had to use white Donkey Kong, which sounds so racist. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's literally a white Donkey Kong. I don't know how else to explain it. But uh I, I was having trouble with this one level and I just I could not get it. And I'm good at these games. I like Donkey Kong titles. And it was just Okay. Yeah, alright. Um and, and it, it was it was tough. So yeah, seeing that one get even more get good was wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, if you can able to play Donkey Kong games, by the, then by all means, you you earn that gamer status. If anything else, <laughs> so, oh, uh, yeah, I'm 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 with you. Well, I think that would be an interesting one to do. We'll see how it happens. So, all right, Scott, top that. Alrighty, so I was thinking of actually let's go even further with the Mario Wonder Story and make Mario into an actual Swordsborne experience, especially the 2D one. I'm listening. Okay. Because, I mean, we've already seen like almost impossible levels with like Mario Maker coming out and people just making the most ridiculous right, level ideas. Right, right, the Kaizo level. <laughs> but I want to take that even one step further. Uh, having a Mario game that is solely built on the difficulty of having the 2D making almost precise perfection with its platforming. And you only get one life through the entire game, and there is no save spots. You have to beat the entire game in your one life, or you go all the way back to the beginning. Interesting. So kind of like uh, The Last of Us with their uh, permadeath mode. Yes, yeah, survival yeah, mode. Exactly, yes, mode. just like that. Yeah, I would. I I will never play that mode. <laughs> I die sometimes. I die in sometimes the most bullcrap ways, and it's just like I'm so mad about this. And yeah, I'm not playing. Starting over just because a lone uh, clicker finally got me. Like no thanks. <laughs> I'm lost out of bullets, and I can't do anything. Well, <laughs> can't do anything but stay here. There you go. <laughs> so that, that's I think would be interesting to have because there are people who already do those kinds of like Mario runs where they try to do everything in one life. And I think that would be like having like a, I guess, nightmare mode for Mario games would be kind of their cup of tea in that regard. I would absolutely hate for people like Gerard who have to do it, though. <laughs> yes, yes, like because you always see like other platforms like uh, ukulele and like the impossible challenge. Yeah, if I remember correctly, that was the thing. So yeah, like if you're gonna put that with Mario or any other thing, and like if you want to, if there there are will be completionists like that. Like if you can do it by all means, you earn a game of cred. But like, yeah, I I am not, I will be not envious of people who want to do that one one life run and just like that. I mean, unless you want to go, I don't know. Elden Ring has kind of also kind of put that standard right now again with the with the extra bosses with and of course Melania, which a lot of people, but now even she's being mean because again, um, what was his name? I forgot. Like yeah, one. Ah, shit, I forgot his name. But yeah, he he's able to basically one 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 hit kill um one turn <laughs> with no armor. So yeah, like if you do that with Mario, just one life run, then yeah, that that's a challenge of itself. Yes, it will be. And I mean, especially if you build the levels on that knowing so that you have like even if you have like limited resources or make sure that they have very limited like power-up boxes so you can't like have a power-up box every few seconds, like in some Mario games. I'm just trying to picture this. Like, 
Because I have no doubt that there are some people who would love that idea. Like, I have one, li I have one, one life to live. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's, let's think of a name for this. Because that, that's, that, I find this really intriguing. <laughs> Super, Super Mario Brothers. The one, uh, not the... Mm. Super Mario Brothers Uno. No, it's, just... it's not bad. <laughs> Or or a wonder, <laughs> you know, like the like the wonders, oneaters. Um, yeah, that thing you do. I, I am that old. Thank you. Tom Hanks is in the movie. Um, watched it on a church trip. It was weird. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. Like, what would be a clever name? The oh, I don't know. Like, I'm usually really good at this. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of. Of words around one i think that's my trip up because it's like there's only so many ways you could uh yeah you could play that super mario brother <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see Ooh, I don't, I don't know super mario brothers get good <laughs> i mean you could even add like a fun concept to that too of having it be multiplayer like back in the old days where when you lost you had to give it up to the other player oh shit lies oh <laughs> I ooh, I think uh, hold on, I think we're I think we're on something here. What like that could be like the second mode. Yeah. Like think about it. like we could do like the the permadeath run like the one run and then uh you have like the four player mode where you see if you can complete the game with four players but each player only gets one life. Yeah. So you can't you do it together or you play alone. Um. Ooh. I, I like that's a this is really fun, Scott. I think it's a really clever idea. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of ways you can play around with Mario, which is I think one of the like, the popularity reasons of it. <laughs> oh, here you go, Super Mario Brothers, the one up run. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have one up, one up, one life, one single one up. <laughs> yeah, don't 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 try to use that Koopa shell cheat. It won't work. <laughs> All right, all right, that's good. I mean, Nintendo will never do it. Because no. that, would, that would betray the casual. <laughs> that would betray the casual audience, but for like the hardcore fans, the Soulsborns, uh, I think I think we could get a million Soulsborn players to play this. Oh, absolutely! If if for no other reason than somebody people would be like, oh, surely it can't be that hard, and then they die like ten seconds, and okay, it is that hard. All right, and yeah, obviously there's gonna be the speed runners who try and you know not die the whole time, so. <laughs> I'm sure the Gerard video will be hilarious. <laughs> oh, I do not envy him. Like, not in the slightest. Yeah, it's like Su Super Mario Brothers One Up Run was easily the hardest game I have played in a long time. Like, we know Gerard. That's that kind of the point. That's kind of the point, Gerard. So, yeah, I uh, I think we should pitch that to Nintendo. But we, I mean me, obviously. I, 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 I am the host, and I deserve all the credit. <laughs> so I did come up with this topic, so there you go. Alright, and with that we are ending this episode of the Nintendo Rotan Podcast. What Nintendo franchise would you like to see get the get good treatment? Uh or or do you like one of the ideas that we had here? Let us know. And then of course, have you been playing Pikmin 4? What do you think about it? Are you excited for the modified Splatfest of the uh, future's past? And uh, X and reference, you're welcome. Um <laughs> were you able to guess all five best-selling Capcom franchises. I don't like these guys here. And uh, 
how difficult would you honestly like Super Mario Bros. Wonder to be? Let us know in the comments below. So, for Skull Kid Scott and Wario Will, I am Trey Prasad. Ladies and gentlemen, we are out of time. We are not out of lives. You made it to the end of the level with one life. You're welcome. Raise the flag. Thank <music> you.